Welcome to my podcast, Explain It To Me, where I talk to very intelligent people and get them to explain things to me in the simplest way possible. On this episode, we chat about Reiki, which is something I've been vaguely aware of the last 20 or so years, but didn't fully understand. Once again, I welcome Andrea Zemro. Perfect. Okay. Um, I'm Andrea Zemro, and I am the owner of AZ Whole Health. Uh, it's a, a business that encompasses Reiki, sound healing, and health coaching. Um, I'm basically here to help you reclaim your whole health. And what are we talking about today? Well, we're talking a little bit more about, yeah, Reiki, sound healing, health coaching, but also a couple other modalities uh, that I like to throw in the mix, uh, vibrational color therapy and crystal healing. So yeah, we've got a good mix of a lot of different topics. <laughs> they all tie together, I like to think, for sure. Cool. Well, let's start at the top. What is yeah. Reiki? Um, yeah, so it's it's a Japanese word. Uh, it kind of breaks down into two different things. So Rei stands for uh, universal energy or God wisdom. There's a couple of different translations. And then Ki, like K-I, uh, it stands for life force energy. And similar to Qi, um, which is a Chinese medicine word. So yeah, it's basically when you put it all together, Reiki stands for um, universal life force energy. And so what that looks like, I can kind of go into that a little bit more because that's a very like broad-minded conversation. But practically what that looks like is uh, when, we're, when I'm practicing Reiki, I think of myself kind of as... I guess a channel or sometimes I'll joke and call myself a hose. So I'm basically just this like huge hose that, <laughs> that allows uh, energy to channel through me to either myself or, you know, plants or clients, um, people. Yeah. I mean, there's really no limit to where that universal life force energy can be channeled to. And yeah, it's incredibly healing and, and it helps with relaxation and helps with stress management, it helps with physical, emotional, mental ailments yeah it's pretty universal <laughs> let me say yeah well are there different types of reiki there are actually there's a, a lot of different types um so the, the main one uh, is the sui reiki and and the one that i took was komio reiki so they they both originated in japan um and again it was approximately around kind of 1922 when when uh, mikhail uh, you say kind of came together with that Reiki terminology and developed more of a system. But I mean, Reiki, or at least the principles behind Reiki had been used for years. So yeah, everything pretty much originated in Japan. And then along the way, it kind of tweaked and changed and became its own thing. So with Sui Reiki, it started in Japan and then ended up going to Hawaii. Uh, and there was a practitioner there and she had her own kind of twist on things. And so she, she left her imprint, I guess. And then she spread her system of Reiki throughout North America. So people, at least from my understanding, tend to think of it more as a Western style Reiki. And yeah, I would say that by far is the most popular one. And then my, my form of Reiki, Komio Reiki, uh, is more of the Eastern form of Reiki. So it started in Japan and then kind of stayed in Japan. I think it's kind of like that phrase, you know, many paths lead to Rome. So I, I you know, we're all utilizing that same life force energy, but we might have a little bit different, I guess, formula or um, a little bit different like precepts or dogma or you know just a little different path to get to that place so what are the differences between different styles of 
noteworthy? I've only done the one. So this is all secondhand knowledge from the internet <laughs> or from other people that I've talked to. But I've been told that Komi Reiki is a little bit more um, intellectual or there's a little bit more process involved than uh, Sui Reiki. And I know, I mean, it of course varies per practitioner and per teacher, but that a Sui Reiki can happen. I mean, people can get their full certification in the course of a weekend online, which I mean is really scary. And that's not normally how the process goes. But, and I mean, there's great practitioners and teachers out there. I'm not bashing anything, but I know for myself, I took my training over the course of three years and in between the different levels, I'd have to do practice sessions. Oftentimes, I mean, I think between my, my after my second degree, I had to get 24 client sessions in. And, and so basically you're practicing right on yourself. You're practicing on your friends and family and clients. And yeah, I, I definitely, I guess, prefer that <laughs> to maybe a, like a quick crash course over a weekend online. But I mean, I, I don't know what that looks like for other people. Of course, I can't speak to their experiences. And then, I mean, there's, I don't know, I've, I've, I think I saw today there was about 30 different types of Reiki according to this one website. I haven't seen all those forms, but I mean, there's at least five other types of Reiki that I've heard of that I don't know much about. So it's, yeah, it's quite involved. It's quite out there. <laughs> yeah. So what is involved with Reiki? Well, let's start with what do you do? Well, like you as the practitioner or mm -hmm. however you want to whatever you want to be called sorry I Right. Um, oh yeah. No, no, no. Terminology lingo. Okay. I totally get that. I think of myself as a practitioner. Technically I'm at the master level, but I think mastery is sometimes a false sense of safety. Cause then you, I mean, at mastery level, you think, oh, I don't need to do anything more. Whereas I, I think of myself as a practitioner because I keep practicing, right? I keep learning. I keep growing. I don't want to ever kind of get stagnant or stuck, but yeah, as a, as a practitioner, um, I guess I can kind of go over what a session would look like. Cause that's the easiest example. And I mean, this could be extrapolated related to other things like you can do Reiki on animals, you can do Reiki on plants, you can do Reiki for the planet. I mean, it's really not limited to different types of organisms. Uh, it's Reiki across the board. But for a session, like a human session, uh, when I have a client come over, I'll typically get them to kind of lay on my massage table. Um, again, if, if they're able to physically, they might, you know, be limited. So they might end up having to sit or I mean, I also offer distant Reiki. So if they aren't able to get out of bed, or if they're in a hospital. I mean, those are other ways I can channel that universal life force energy. But with a client on the massage table, I will um, basically I'm channeling that life force energy to wherever I feel like I'm guided. And for different people, they get that guiding in different ways. For myself, I, I typically get it. I would say I'm, there's different types of clairs. And I mean, I don't want to go too down a rabbit hole, but there's different ways of getting knowledge from, I guess, people will think of either the divine or guides or angels or um, whatever you ascribe to. For myself, how I get information is typically by feeling or by knowing. So I'll have just an awareness that, oh, there's a blockage on, you know, their ankle, or maybe they're having an emotional blockage, like they've closed their heart down. And so I will focus on channeling that Reiki energy to that specific area. And usually, yeah, it's to do with some sort of blockage or something that's just blocking the flow of energy. And I also work with the chakra system, which again is a little bit of another rabbit hole, 
but we have different meridians in our bodies that are kind of like focused energy. And we have a ton of them, but the kind of main ones, or there's seven main ones that are throughout your body. And they kind of go from the top of your crown all the way to the base of your tailbone. And so, and they're different, they have different qualities ascribed to them. So, I mean, for example, you have a throat chakra, which is in your throat and, and it's typically ascribed to communication. So if you're having problems like expressing your truth or just speaking up for yourself or having confidence, sometimes that means that your throat chakra is out of whack and it can be overactive or it can be underactive. And if that's not working, the flow of energy from your crown to your tailbone doesn't flow quite as well as it should be. It kind of blocks it up. So you want to get that flowing. You want to be flowing everywhere, basically. And I mean... We sometimes experience physical symptoms in our physical bodies, but they aren't necessarily a physical cause, which was really mind blowing to me when I first started doing Reiki or when I first had Reiki done for me, I had physical symptoms and I was like, they're physical in nature. Right. And so I kind of, I went to a bunch of physical modalities, like chiropractors and physiotherapists and massage therapists seeking help. I wanted to get to the cause and not just deal with the symptoms, but no matter what I tried, I kept having to go back and back and never kind of getting relief. So it was really amazing to me when I first went to Reiki and I was like, all of a sudden I was having these physical symptoms on a massage table. And I was basically, I was having an asthma attack and some allergies came up and it was like, what's happening? Like, I'm just the practitioner um, who became my teacher. She wasn't touching me or physically manipulating my body in any way, but I was feeling all these different physical symptoms. And then I was, I, I came to realize through her help that it was like, oh, you know, the physical symptoms that I was experiencing weren't physical in nature, they're energetic in nature. So it's like, again, a little bit of, I keep going down these rabbit holes, but it's like hard to kind of get through the story without doing that. We have a physical body, but we also have like an energetic body. So then that's me. Sometimes people will call that your aura. Um, It's made up of a bunch of different bodies. So you've got your physical body and then you've got your etheric body and then you've got your uh, emotional body, your mental body and your spiritual body. And people have told me or have read that there's more bodies than that even but so you could have a physical symptom like your your neck is sore and it might be physical in nature of course if you're head banging at the concert last weekend yeah that could definitely cause some neck pain but it could also be attributed to something else out of whack so specifically like if let's say your emotional body has a blockage in it your neck emotionally is kind of ascribed to having if you have neck pain it's kind of ascribed to having inflexibility like you're not willing to look at other alternatives So potentially you've got something stuck in your emotional body and it's causing, or you're seeing it develop physical symptoms. So for a Reiki session, we work on all those different bodies or that aura. And so you might be experiencing physical symptoms, but we're able to kind of remove blockages in that aura or that emotional body or that mental body, for example. So yeah, it's really cool. I mean, I get guided to different areas that are, that may be experiencing blockage or pain. Um, I'll have a client on the table. And I'd be like, oh, wow, like that right hip, hey, it really hurts. And they're like, whoa, what? Like, how did you know? (laughs) Because they didn't tell me. I mean, we go over before the session a little bit about what's going on with them and what they're looking to get help with, but they don't always get into the nitty gritty, right? And so I'm able to pick that stuff up while they're on the table. And then I channel that Reiki energy intentionally to that area. But the beautiful thing about energy is that it goes where it needs to go. So I mean, even though I'm like, my head's like, yeah, yeah, we got to fix this hip, that energy might be like, hey, actually, you know, her heart chakra is really in trouble. So we're going to focus on getting the energy to that heart chakra first. 
it's kind of like triage, right? I mean, energy needs to go or it needs to go and it prioritizes different things. So the priorities that I have and the priorities that my client has might be different than the priorities that the energy or kind of that universal guidance has. So yeah, I mean, it's super, super neat. I love having uh, people come for sessions just because it's like super interesting to see what happens and what comes up during the session. And that was a bit of a long answer to that one. but. <laughs> That's all good. That's all good. You talk about energy. Where is the energy coming from that helps people? Yeah. So to me, I guess because I have a Christian background, I think of it from coming from God. But I I know a lot of spiritual people will use the word universe or um, like higher power or whatever. I guess we use these human terms for something that's not really human, right? And it's kind of not understandable, but it's coming from beyond myself. Like I, I say I'm a healer, but most See, again, I'm just a hose. <laughs> I'm just allowing that healing energy to come through me. And uh, I'm just thankful to be part of the process. But <laughs> I mean, that energy is coming with or without me in some form or other. So yeah, it's for me, it's coming from God. But technically, I guess the, re- the universal Reiki energy is from the universe or what have you. <laughs> something out there that we don't have a name for that we use our human terms for but okay that's cool what kind of things are you able to heal with reiki yeah almost i would almost invert the question like what can't i heal because <laughs> it's kind of a laundry list i mean i guess i could go over what i've seen healed because you could basically heal anything especially i mean yeah energy goes everywhere so it heals physical ailments emotional ailments mental spiritual like all areas but I mean, for example, I've, I've seen, I mean, for myself, I've had trauma through car accidents. I've had emotional trauma through, you know, relationship breakups. Uh, I had asthma, allergies. I mean, all those things I've used Reiki to help heal me through the years. And then for clients, I mean, I've seen all different types of things, physical ailments, like, you know, hurting ankles or, you know, sore calves or bad knees. I've had emotional issues. Again, heartbreak. It's tough. Um, mental stress, migraines. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, it's very, uh, very universal in terms of what it can help heal. So you were saying like earlier, your example of the person having a sore hip Mm -hmm. and then for the same example, you're like, oh, but their body might be like, oh, their heart needs the energy instead. This is going to seem like a silly question to you, but I just don't know. Is it like different types of energy for different parts of the body? Or is it all similar energy that's being used? Uh, similar energy. Yeah. It's just where it is channeled to. So it's almost, I think of it almost like a garden hose, like the spray. I'm just directing the spray instead of to that hip. I'm directing it to the heart, uh, if you will. But I mean, again, it flows throughout the whole body. And it's amazing. Sometimes you'll work on someone's throat chakra and then all of a sudden their lower back will feel better. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't really make sense mentally, which is tricky because oftentimes, especially um, I sometimes have like that very scientific, rational mind. So I'm trying to figure out the correlation and I'm just like, but that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) They're not connected. (laughs) Thankfully, I don't have to logic us to a solution, right? I mean, I just kind of, again, step back and just, I get to watch and and take notes and (laughs) be amazed. Yeah, so it's cool. And you were saying earlier that you could kind of do it from a distance. Like, what do you mean by that? Like, so if you're in Calgary and I'm in Edmonton, could you heal me? 
or do you have to kind of be in the same vicinity? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not limited to area codes or <laughs> whether I'm in the same province or anything. It's great. I mean, and I almost think sometimes I'll, I'll say to people that distant energy healing is almost more powerful. And really, it's just because I have to get out of my own way when I'm in physical form and I'm treating someone in physical form. Sometimes my physical brain is like, okay, like put your hands here or like, oh, wait, did that person twitch? What is that mean? And then all of a sudden I'm back in my head and I'm thinking, right? Whereas when I am channeling energy to someone that's not in my physical space, I have to set that intention that I am doing a Reiki session with them or on them. And all of a sudden I'm like kind of out of my way. Like I get out of my physical way <laughs> and then I'm basically just energy. So, I mean, I, I feel for myself that I am able to kind of get a better sense of where things are, like what's going on. I get a better picture because I'm just, I'm basically taking my energy body and going to that person's energy body and being like, okay, so where's the blockages here? Let's get some Reiki into that. So yeah, it's really, really cool and really powerful. Oftentimes when someone's not had Reiki before, I'll usually recommend a shorter session for distance healing because I find it can be a lot, especially if it's your first time. But yeah, it was wild. When I first started, uh, I guess after maybe my second degree. So I have three degrees. Uh, I think after my second degree, I ended up moving to Calgary. So I would have, we call them um, shoot and shares. And so basically once a month, I meet up with the, my teacher and then other practitioners and we practice on each other. And, and we basically are just making sure that we're doing, we're can, you know, being good channels or good hoses. Uh, you got to do the work, right? You don't want to get those skills rusty. And so when I moved to Calgary, um, I ended up joining the group in Edmonton, but I was doing that distance healing wise. So it was super cool. I would have, I guess, other practitioners on the table in the room and the healing room in Edmonton. And I would be in Calgary and I'd be like, oh, wow. Like what's going on with your head or, oh yeah. Yikes. It seems like, yeah, that left knee is really acting up. And I mean, I'm in Calgary. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I mean, and so it was, it was super, super cool for me to be able to experience that every month, like how powerful and how um, accessible it is to do distant healing and not be at all in the same area. And I mean, vice versa, you know, I'd get on, I guess the table, I think I was using the floor. I was just on the floor in my, in my apartment, getting Reiki from people in Edmonton. And again, they would, you know, be able to, you know, tell me what was going on with me and then be channeling that Reiki energy into me. And yeah, they're about three and a half hours away. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So if you're walking down the street for you, because you're uh, a practitioner, are you able to feel other people's energy, like a passerbys and kind of be like, Ooh, that person needs some work or anything <laughs> like that? Yes. I just like slip of my card. But <laughs> <laughs> Call me. Yeah. You'll be thankful you did. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no. And I, I am so thankful for Reiki because of that, because I was feeling those emotions beforehand, but I felt like I was at the mercy. Like I always, I always joke that I was like a, a leaf blown about in the wind. So I'd go out, you know, to a party or I'd be walking down the street and I would be caught up in other people's energies and kind of along for the ride. And then uh, learning Reiki, I was able to figure out, oh, that's not mine. <laughs> 
I, I thought it was mine all these years. And I mean, it was really interesting for me. So I, um, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia when I was, I think, eight. And it was wild because I realized if I were myalgia, I guess for myself, and I mean, I don't want to get too much into that, but it's like, it basically it's like muscle pain in your body throughout in different places. And science hasn't really figured out the reason behind it. So even though, you know, I was diagnosed many, many years ago, they still don't really know the science behind it. And I guess, yeah. So I thought it was a physical thing and I thought it was physically caused and it might be for other people. I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not a fibromyalgia expert, but getting the gift of Reiki and, and learning more about uh, energy work and you know, grounding and how to keep your, keep boundaries and make sure you know what's yours and what, what is other people and how to energetically clean yourself. It was like a huge gift to myself because all of a sudden I realized like, I guess what I was calling fibromyalgia pain was actually uh, energetic in nature. So I was taking on other people's energy and I, again, I was just along for the ride and I didn't know it. And so getting that gift, I was like, oh, now I'm like, not mine, not mine. You know, I feel it and I can see it. And, and sense it, but I don't, I'm not as like affected by it, I guess, because I have the ability to have like solid grounding and I have boundaries and I'm able to like cleanse myself of other people's stuff, which is great, especially now, because there's a lot of like funky energy going on in the world, but <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm definitely sensitive, but I've been gifted the tools to, to kind of overcome that sensitivity, which is great. And I think a lot of us are sensitive. We just don't know. And I mean, we assume that they're physical symptoms and they're physical cause, but that might not be the case, which is great. You said you also do sound healing? Yeah. So I do sound healing, which I think of again as energy healing because it's sound is a form of vibration. Vibration is energy. And so it's the coolest. I actually, um, I brought some tuning forks over to show what they look like. Sweet. So I don't know if you've ever seen them, but it's like in a piano situation, you'd use a tuning fork to calibrate the piano. Well, it's sort of similar in our bodies. Uh, we operate, we're, well, we should be operating in a certain vibration or a certain alignment, but things happen. We get out of tune and then sound healing or for myself, I work in tuning forks. They help kind of realign us to that frequency that we're supposed to be operating at. So yeah, it's sort of super cool. How does sound heal? Yeah. Again, it's like it's uh, all the different tuning forks are at uh, specific frequencies or vibrations. For example, I've got this tuning fork here and it's uh, it's an auto tuner. So it's osteopathic. So you actually you'll strike it and then you place the tine of the fork wherever you need. And so it's actually an on body tuner. So these two are off body. So you don't actually you're not I'm not touching the fork to any part of someone's body. Um, I'm working more in their aura and I'm using the tuning forks all around their body and around their ears but this fork uh, it operates at 128 hertz and it's great for um, increasing nitric oxide in the body which is great for helping your muscles it also it affects your pituitary gland which releases nitric oxide which helps or no the nitric oxide helps your pituitary gland to re release opioids so you feel really good it releases stress it helps your autonomic nervous system so it gets you out of that fight or flight it helps digestion it helps your muscles to to heal and to repair themselves after strenuous activity. Yeah, it's just, it's incredible. But so yeah, so that's one example. So this is one fork of, of many different forks, but yeah, it's just using again, that kind of vibrational energy to either, either build or release or harmonize uh, depending on the type of fork I'm using. Are you able to do a little ting yes. on it so we can hear what it sounds like? I was like? going to for sure. So I don't know, I don't know how loud it'll be, but um, this is the perfect fifth interval. So it's like one of the most famous intervals but 
<laughs> I was like, where's the speaker on this thing? <laughs> oh, I heard it loud and clear. I like that. Perfect. Perfect. I like it's such that. a treat. It's so, it's so nice for myself. <laughs> yeah. Sound healing is super fun. So what kind of things are you able to heal with sound? So it's, yeah, I mean, so many things. So like that, the osteopathic tuning fork of the auto tuning fork, that's, I feel like more of a physical thing. So I will use that on someone's body. For example, like they have maybe really tight hips. So I'll help use, or I'll use that fork to help them release their psoas muscle or help with their IT band release. Again, it just kind of stimulates uh, nitric oxide and helps their muscles to release and repair. And then for the off-body tuning forks, oftentimes I'll be using those in their aura. So I'll help kind of release energetic blockages, um, harmonize. I have different protocols for, yeah, like anxiety or grounding or better sleep or, you know, better mental focus. So I have a lot of different um, a lot of different forks for a lot of different purposes, but almost again, it's like kind of the sky's the limits. And the neat part is you can tie it in with that Reiki energy as well. So because that Reiki energy is, is always on, it's just flowing. Right. And so while I'm using the tuning forks and I'm practicing sound healing, uh, that Reiki energy is kind of being infused into the process as well. So you kind of get two for the price of one, if you will, but <laughs> yeah. more uh, power. Are certain frequencies more effective at healing than other frequencies? Yeah, I have certain intervals that are more, I would say, releasing. So I usually use them in concert with another type of interval that's more harmonizing. So usually I'll maybe start a session with some releasing intervals to kind of help them uh, release anything that they might have picked up since our last session or help release any blockages or anything that's stagnant or stuck. And then I'll bring in that kind of more harmonizing or um, building intervals, then it'll kind of help them become more robust and help that energy kind of flow into those areas that were previously blocked and stuck. So yeah, there's lots of different frequencies. And again, there's, I mean, really the sky's the limits, but you can, yeah, build, you can release, you can repair. It's wild. Do uh, people react differently to different frequencies? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, okay. definitely. I have a um, few tuning forks that are more, they're the frequency of the earth. And, and I'm, I've read the science. I mean, I find a lot of mathematicians uh, end up in sound healing because it can get really mathematical. So I, I can't speak too, too much to the science. I mean, how do they figure out what frequency the earth is vibrating at? I mean, that is wild, but I have at least one client who, you know, strongly reacts to that. And I mean, I don't have the mental reason as to why that is, but I mean, yeah, I'm, it's cool. <laughs> Super cool to watch. And I mean, I think because that client reacts so strongly, I mean, it's very cathartic for them to, to for me to use those kind of earth tuned healing forks on, on them when they have a session with me. But yeah, so different people will definitely react to different forks. It's almost like, so food, um, they say that people that have a strong aversion to something, sometimes that means that they need that food. Or if they strongly like the food, they might need that food as well. It might be healing for them. And it might not be forever. It might be healing for them in a season because they're like lacking in some sort of nutrient. But I think of that as tuning forks too. So people who have a strong reaction, you know, either positive or negative might be that tuning fork might be really valuable for them and again it might not be forever but in that particular session or season that might be something they really need at that moment does a person kind of need to be immersed with the sound or can they be like listening to it in headphones yeah both i mean okay. the on the body tuning forks you kind of need to have them on the body they're not as you know they're not very loud you get more of the vibration um, and that's what you're wanting to use on the body. But uh, the off the body tuning forks, yeah, I mean, you don't have to be physically in person 
you could just have headphones on and be completely immersed in that sound therapy. So yeah, it's neat. It's similar to the Reiki energy. It doesn't have to be limited to space. I'll often bring the tuning forks into my distant healing sessions, even though that other person, you know, is in Calgary or in Edmonton or somewhere else in the province. The, the sound energy is the important part. It's not so much the like being able to hear it. Yeah, it gets kind of wild, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, energy, it's a trip. So you also said you do vibrational color therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is that? Yeah, so it's interesting. I use these things called gels. And they're basically, if you were in like a theater background, you'd see them like on stage production to kind of change the color of lights. And, and so, I mean, I just basically am using a specific light with these colored gels to bring in different, it's again, a vibrational thing. It's a kind of energy frequency that I'm using to kind of bring in healing energy to my session. And yeah, it's, it's super neat. So typically similar to the sound healing before a client comes, I'll usually sit in meditation and just channel, I guess, what I I feel like I should be using for that client for that session. And so I'll typically sit and figure out what color is the best color for that client for that session. And they all have different, I mean, each color has different attributes. Uh, For example, like red, like all the warming colors, like red, orange, yellow, they typically are very stimulating or building or um, almost a little aggressive sometimes. So that depends on the person. But like, if I wanted to study for an exam, for example, I would probably put yellow in my lamp because I want to stimulate my intellect and really build and be really like thought uh, aggressive. (laughs) So I'll use yellow for that instance. Red is really grounding. Uh, It helps with digestion. It helps to to really like root yourself down, which I mean, in certain circumstances is great. Uh, In other circumstances, if you already have inflammation or if you have a fever, you wouldn't want a warming color because those would just aggravate that condition similarly or conversely cooling colors like the you know blues purples indigos those are things that are really great for reducing inflammation for bringing calm for bringing uh, balance and but you know conversely can be you you know not so great for someone who's suffering from depression or who's feeling uh, lethargic or is, uh, needs a little more stimulation so yeah color therapy is really cool that way and I mean it's ancient it's been used all the way back to ancient Egypt Egypt and ancient Greece, ancient India. So they they knew the power of a good color back then. And I mean, even today, you'll see people using color therapy in different ways, be that, you know, what color shirt you put on for the day. So for example, blue is really great for communication. So if you want, you're going to go onto a podcast, for example, (laughs) and you're feeling like you don't have that confidence, or you're feeling like you're not able to express yourself very well, maybe blue would be the best color to put on for that. Or if you want to have a good night's sleep, you might want to use like a calming color, like a a purple or a blue or a green in your bedroom to kind of wind you down uh, after a long day to get you ready for sleep. So yeah. So color therapy is so accessible. You don't have to, I mean, that's accessible to anybody, but yeah, I love to employ it as an additional modality in my therapy sessions because why not? Everything helps. You're mentioning a shirt color. So like it doesn't necessarily have to be like a light shining on you. It could just be 100%. a piece of cloth or something. Yeah. So for my sessions, I'll typically have a, a therapy lamp, but I mean, that's not accessible for everyone, obviously, to go out and buy a lamp and get gels and everything like that. There is like, you can get uh, different like lenses. You could have like a set of six rainbow colored lenses. So if you're feeling like you need some, uh, a boost in energy, you might put a pair of red glasses on 
on, which is different, but I mean, you could just wear different clothes, which is so easy and accessible or change what you're eating. So sometimes um, as part of the session, I'll make recommendations, uh, usually at the end of our session for things they, that clients may incorporate or things they may work on. And so sometimes color is something I'll bring into my suggestions. Like if they have their heart chakra is closed and they're having problems um, opening that up, I'll sometimes recommend they wear green or they'll introduce more green food, like more vegetables or a green smoothie or something like that, or even just meditate or visualize the color green throughout the day. So, I mean, yeah, there's so many opportunities to bring in different colors to help with that, uh, with problems. So what do you do with colorblind people? Great questions. <laughs> I haven't had that one before. I mean, I guess it would depend when they went colorblind. So it, uh, I mean, if they were born that way or if it was a you know result of trauma. So if they've never been able to see normal colors, then yeah, I guess I would have to, to figure out a way to describe what a color is to them. <laughs> Because there's a different scale on that too. People are in right. different places on the spectrum and everything else. So yeah, that would be super fun, a challenge to overcome, but <laughs> haven't had to do that yet. So I'll have to keep you posted. Please do. <laughs> So crystal healing, mm -hmm. what, what is crystal healing? Yeah, so kind of similar to that vibrational color, I employ crystals as well. Yeah, it's great. I mean, crystals are operating again. It's like almost energy condensed. And so they operate at different frequencies and have different healing properties. And yeah, it's such a deep thing to bring in. So again, before a session, I'll sit and meditate and ask my people, my team, my uh, metaphysical team, if you will, what crystals I should employ employ in the session. And I'll usually be guided to different, different crystals that would be the best uh, for my client. And it's cool to kind of sometimes I'll, I'll read the client or I'll explain to the client what the properties are of that particular crystal I have them holding, or I'll place the crystal under the pillow, or I'll have it placed in different places, depending on what part of their body needs, um, needs it. And so I'll, sometimes I'll, yeah, explain to them what that crystal uh, does. And it'll, I mean, it'll completely be in line with what we're working on, or maybe symptoms that they didn't, you know, expressed to me, but the team knew, the team knew. <laughs> yes. That's and cool. for myself, I mean, I employ them in my life as well. So again, and I will make recommendations to my client for how to incorporate them after the session. But I mean, I've got uh, smoky quartz um, wearing right now, and that helps with grounding, which again, is really great when you're having an interview. And I've got turquoise, which is kind of that blue green stone, which helps with communication, which is perfect for a podcast. So cool. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to ask, do different crystals do different things? Yes. Yeah, 100%. So yeah, so the smoky quartz is yeah very grounding energy so it's great for when you're feeling like really like flummoxed or all over the place scattered if you will it kind of helps root you and kind of keep you grounded throughout your day and like turquoise is really great for communication and it's associated with your throat chakra so it helps open up that throat chakra if you're having problems with confidence or communication that's a great one to deploy another one that i really recommend is salt or selenite so that one's huge. I'm like across the board. I'm like, bring it in, like take more salt into your life. Uh, whether that be like bathing in salt water or, you know, you can buy um, selenite as a stone and it's just like a hard form of salt and using that um, to help you reduce stress, to help clean your aura, um, to help basically just like protect. Uh, it's, it's amazing. And it, it's the cool one because you don't have to clean it. So the other crystals, they will pick up energies, which is kind of tricky. I think humans, we think that we're good too, but we also pick up energies. <laughs> 
and we should be cleaning and letting them go and, you know, keeping our boundaries up and being grounded. But crystals do that same thing. They have those have the same issues. So they'll have to be cleaned. How do yeah. you clean them? Yeah, great question. There's a few different ways and it kind of depends on the crystal. Uh, water is a great one. Like running your crystal underwater will help kind of energetically clean away um, any kind of debris or energetic attachments. But you have to be careful with that one because some crystals selenite for example is just salt right so if you put it underwater it, it just melts so <laughs> that's a problem uh so it's not a universal one a lot of people we use will put their crystals out under the full moon and let that like strong full moon energy clean them which is great or you can bury your crystals in the garden so are they um, like are they like werewolves then they're like werewolves. In that <laughs> way. Well, I mean, I think werewolves get like more feisty under the full moon, whereas crystals get more mellow and clean under the full moon. So it's almost like they're anti or inverse werewolves. <laughs> like bizarro werewolves. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so there's definitely like lots of different ways you can put, yeah, put them outside in the garden. Uh, you can bury them in, in the soil or bury them in sand or uh, not sand, salt. And so that'll clean it. Selenite's a great one because you don't have to clean it. So you can just use it because it's made of salt. It never takes on any, any energy that isn't its own, which is really nice. So okay. that's usually because I'm like, who needs to clean their crystals? I'm like, I don't want to make life harder for my clients. Right. So I'm just like, get selenite. It's easy. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> it does everything and it does never need to be cleaned. Check, check. <laughs> so does the person have to actually be physically touching the crystals for them? No, no, they have energy all on their own. So, I mean, you just can put them in your, their state, your space. I mean, I employ crystals in distant healing as well, which is wild. But again, it's like setting that intention. So I'm like, in my mind's eye, I'm like, okay, I have, I've put this crystal under, you know, if I had you on the table, for example, in Edmonton, I'd be like, okay, I've put this crystal under Stephen's head and it's doing this purpose, you know, and I've set that intention. So, I mean, that crystal is in Calgary and you're in Edmonton. So it doesn't necessarily need to be in your space or on your person. But that being said, I mean, I do carry some crystals in my pocket sometimes and things. I like to have my friends close by, but <laughs> a little crystal hug, if you will. Um, Does the shape of the crystal matter at all? Uh, it can sometimes, I guess. Um, so rose quartz, for example, is like a kind of associated with your heart and romance and love and romantic love. And so, I mean, some people will have it in the shape of a heart. I don't know if it impacts, like if it makes it more heart centered, having it in a physical shape of a heart. But I mean, sometimes it helps just with association. So then people can be like, okay, cool. Like I'm associating that heart shaped crystal with romance or love or that sort of thing. But I guess I would say there is, I mean, there is certain crystals that are pointed. And so if you're facing the crystal point towards something, that energy is kind of being channeled towards whatever it's pointing at. So that would guess would be the only caveat I would mention. I mean, shapes don't typically matter but in that case a shape would definitely matter like where the energy is going to be going but otherwise it's pretty okay do you use all of those reiki sound healing light healing and crystals do you, do you typically use them all in a yeah, session wild up in here <laughs> yes <laughs> Yeah, I deploy all of them. I mean, the light therapy in my mind is a little less active. So I just put that lamp on and let it do its thing. So whereas like the sound therapy and the Reiki, those are a little more active for myself. I'll also like, I'll deploy crystals, but I won't be doing like crystal therapy actively all session. Typically I'll have, I'll maybe give the client crystals to hold in their hands, or maybe if I'm feeling like a blockage in somewhere, in, in some way or other, I'll like employ.
Sequoia crystal to help with that. I think like the sound and the the Reiki therapy are a little more active throughout the session comparatively. Do they kind of amplify each other? So like, let's say you were doing Reiki all by itself, but then you added the light therapy. Do they work more effectively? I don't know if that's the right term. Yeah, I think they all build on each other. Again, it's all, all energy. So it's like, yeah, I just think of it as amplification or coverage, I guess. So I, I think Reiki is infusing everything. And then the sound kind of marries that and the color is building into that as well. And so all of it's, again, getting amplified, but also just like, yeah, marrying each other well. That's okay. my experience anyways. So I, yeah, I'm just like, come all in. Everybody's welcome. Like, let's get in here. <laughs> oh, yeah. At the end of the session, you say you also act as a health coach. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm a health coach as well. And yeah, I really love it as support because I mean, I love being able to bring in all these energetic modalities into the session itself, but I'm also kind of mentally taking notes as to what's coming up. And so sometimes things are physical in nature. And so those are things that I can help with from a health coaching perspective. So let's say, you know, I'm recognizing while the client's on the table that there's some digestive upset. Okay, cool. And, you know, afterwards we maybe have a conversation about um, what they're eating or, you know, how they're eating or what their eating habits are like, um, how well they're digesting. Maybe I can give some suggestions for tips and tricks that they can do to help. Yeah. So it really marries again, marries well with everything else. So it kind of, because I don't want to say, okay, well, we had this great session and a lot of stuff moved and things are shifting and we're able to get rid of some of these energetic blockages. Okay. Bye. Like have a good one. I want to be able to continue to support these changes. Right. It's like, I want to create a foundation that I can build upon because I don't want somebody to come to me and then I help them with all these things. And then they come back in a month or two months. And, and because they haven't been able to build upon uh, what we worked on, they have to start from scratch again. I mean, that's no fun for me either. I want new things to come up, right? <laughs> just, <laughs> I don't want to keep working on the same old shtick, but mostly I just want the client to kind of find that wholeness um, and find that whole health. I don't want them to have continual problems. So the health coaching piece is great to bring in. I'm able to give, yeah, more suggestions kind of practically or in a real world way. And then I do offer health coaching completely outside of any of the energetic work that I do. If someone wants, you know, assistance with some lifestyle changes or to kind of overcome some habits that they don't, that aren't serving them anymore. Health coaching is great for that. I mean, health coaching is kind of a jack of all trade kind of thing. It's um, health coaches are motivators, they're guides, they're teachers, they're accountability buddies. It's like literally, you know, all, all things under the sun, but sometimes, yeah, we need support, you know, we, especially when we have bad behavior or bad habits that have become behaviors. All of a sudden, if something is linked to your subconscious, it's like something that you learned when you were, you know, six years of age and you've had these habits all your life. Those are pretty hard to break. You know, even if you realize they aren't serving you anymore, sometimes without having someone holding your feet to the fire and saying, you know, checking in with you and making sure that you're sticking with that chain it's easy to fall fall off the wagon or what have you. So health coaches are great for that. So I love being able to help outside of kind of that energy work because not everybody is interested in, in coming for a healing session. But if they are interested maybe in, in losing five pounds or uh, learning how to run faster or learning how to get to bed earlier. And those are all things I can give uh, tips and tricks and accountability for if a person needs. So well, I don't have any more questions, but is there anything else you would like to add? No, I think that's it. We covered a lot of different topics. <laughs> 
I mean, I'd like to think of them all under the same heading, but yeah, we went down a couple of rabbit holes there for sure. That was great. But yeah, if people want to learn more, I mean, they can definitely reach out. So I do have a website. It's www.azwholehealth.ca. I've got all my contact information on there. I'm on the Instagram. I've got an email address. I mean, you name it social media wise. I'm trying to do it. Plus, I've got a lot of different frequently asked questions and other things on the website if people want to explore. But yeah, feel free to reach out and contact me if you have any more questions or if you want to come for a session. Hey, I'm offering sessions as well. So yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much for being on this episode again. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me back. It was super fun. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Awesome. Well, that was interesting. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed. On the next episode, We talked to a paleontologist about dinosaurs and the accuracy of Jurassic Park.